Good to see all of you, those who came in while the lights were off. We're glad that you uh, arrived. Uh, it's, uh, it's great to be just a part of a church that, that loves the Lord and, and uh, sings with their heart. Uh, it's, it's great. I always um, i am grateful for that and, and encourage you just to, to be a worshiping person uh, in your life. Um, for those who are not here this morning, but you're listening online, maybe you're serving in our kids' church, we're grateful for that. Maybe you're just tuning in because it's too far to drive. Um, just want to give a shout out to Penny from Manitoba, uh, who listens every week. We're just, uh, it's kind of cool that that happened. So thankful for a, for a church and, uh, that, that can touch lives around the world, but um, that technology can be used for some good as well. So that's, uh, that's pretty neat. Um, this morning, I want to start by just encouraging you to, um, to take some notes. I uh, spoke with somebody this week, and we were asking, we were talking about some different stuff that they were going through, and they mentioned, um, I, I had asked them, were you here when we talked about this, this, and this? And like, yeah, I think I was there. It's vaguely familiar. And, and as we were saying, he's like, yeah, you know, I probably, I probably needed that. I probably should have took some notes. Uh, and the truth is, you'll remember way more if you take some notes. And uh, I encourage you, you can even use the offering envelope if you're like, I don't know what to write on. You can use it for that too. That's fine. Uh, grab it. But the thing that I think about, we didn't come here this morning just to put in time. At least I hope you didn't. I didn't. Uh, you know, I, I hope you didn't come here thinking it's just a waste of time because that's not why we're here. If it is, you just, why did you, you just might as well just hang out in the cafe or what? We didn't come for that reason. The, I think sometimes we come just out of our routines or whatever, but we don't realize that this morning could be life-changingly um, uh, powerful if we would just be intentional about that. And so I just want to encourage you, just grab a pen, borrow one, whatever, write it on your hand, whatever, just the the things that you feel like that prompt your heart this morning to take those with you because I believe that he wants to do stuff in our life in this place, but also outside of it as well. And so uh, this week I've been reading some different stuff, listening to some different guys, uh, reading some stuff by a guy named Andy, uh, another guy named Francis, uh, another guy named John Piper, and then a bunch of others named Matthew and Luke and Mark and John uh, James and Peter and a few others, and um, basically reading some of the things that they, they wrote. And so what I'm sharing with you this morning, it's not for me, it comes from uh, all of them. So uh, this, morning, this morning, I just want to start with this thought. Have you, have you ever had someone um, tell you about something that they experienced uh, or they, a place that they had been, and uh, they're super excited about it, and you just can't get to that level? You're just not as excited about it as they are. You know, like, for instance, somebody goes on a missions trip, and they come home, like, you got to see the pictures. And they start showing the pictures of the missions trip, and it starts like this. And by here, you're already like, ugh. And they're like, well, or they went on that vacation. They just got back from Myrtle Beach. They're like, hey, let me show you the pictures of my vacation. You know, or I, I, flew, a, I flew a Cessna home from Haiti. Hey, check out the pictures. Um, and then, or like, and like, nobody's impressed. And like, well, I went skydiving. Hey, check out the pictures, right? And it's I don't know why anybody takes that picture ever of the view out the window of the wing of a plane. And yet I've seen hundreds, I've taken hundreds of them. Uh, But it's not, it's none of you have gotten excited, even though I've done all of those things. None of you are like, wow, you know, that was was super exciting. There's something about being there. The experience is always more impactful than just hearing about it. The experience is always more impactful than just hearing about something. It's not always better. It's not always better, but the person who was there, it impacted them much more than just hearing about it. And for some, we say it's not always better because sometimes those who have gone through tragedy, the impact is definitely stronger than those who are like, oh, they just 
heard about it. You know, my kids, um, they ask me to tell daddy stories all the time. It's crazy what you can remember from like 35, 40 years ago. Because I was there, right? I remember these things like they were yesterday. Last night I told a story. I don't know if it's quite completely appropriate, but they said I should tell you. So what my kids always ask me, you know, Dad, you tell us a story when you were a kid. And I, I used to live next door to my cousins, which we thought was kind of awesome. But they, every once in a while, there would be these days that just didn't go that well. And I remember one day we were playing a game. Uh, I have five cousins and, and my brother. Uh, and we were playing this game. I think it was called Everyone Tackle Mark, because that's all I remember. Uh, and so as we were, I'm running away, trying to get away from them. They tackle me. Well, they held me down. And then one of them gets this idea in their head, like, hey, you know what? We're going to spit in his mouth. And I'm like, <laughs> so they're trying to hold my mouth open, and one of them's going to spit. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I would rather eat dog poop than that. And they're like, okay. And so they ran. One of them got that and shoved that in my mouth. And I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And I, remember, I remember that, like, yesterday. Um, I know. Some of you think I have bad breath. That's why. Um, but I remember that experience like it was, like it was yesterday. That is like 30-something years ago. But it's, it's an experience that affected my life. Well, maybe a little scarring. But the thing that I think that, that we need to be challenged with is sometimes Christmas and the gospel message um, are more like something we heard about than an experience that changed my life. When you hear the story of Christmas, is it just a story that I've heard about? Or would you say, that is an experience that changed my life? That's why this morning, we're not just here just to, you know, kind of read some, read some things we've read every year. But can we answer that question? Because maybe today is the day that that experience changes your life. See, sometimes we don't really picture it for what it was. But if you just think about it for a minute, what would it have been like to be some shepherd sitting out in a field? You know, here they are, just doing their job. You think, you know, the, sitting around the fire telling sheep jokes, you know, and one's like, hey, Cletus, what do you call a sheep with no legs? I don't know, a cloud. <laughs> you know, hey, oh, no, what, what, kind of, what kind of car does sheep like to drive? Oh, a Lamborghini. Oh, blah, that's a good dad joke. And all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, an angel shows up and says, don't be afraid. And you're like, oh, okay, I've heard this story before. What if it was your work? There you are, milking cows, and boom! And you're like, oh, okay. And he's like, hey, don't be afraid. Like, you know, you have it with people. Last night I walked home after, or not walk home. I walked into the, <laughs> it wasn't that bad of it. I walked into the house, and, and I walk into the, into the living room, and all of a sudden, you know, as I'm just walking, just, just going to go drop. It's dimly lit. The Christmas tree's the only thing lit. I'm going to put, uh, put my coffee mug on the counter. All of a sudden I hear, hey, and the couch talked to me, right? And I'm like, oh, I was like, there's my mother-in-law sitting on the couch. Did not see her. And that moment, I was just like, oh, you've had it. I'm sure you have. You know, somebody, sometimes they do it on purpose. If you know Bob DeVries, it's probably happened to you multiple times. But that, that thing of like, whoa, you just get startled. Now picture that as like a brilliant ball of light with an angel just, boom, just completely shocks you and then has the, 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 the thought to say, oh, well, you know, hey, hey, don't be afraid. It's something that suddenly wakes them up. And you know, he says that, that uh, this angel announces to them, that there's going to be a Savior born to this planet. And he says, I bring you, you know, great news or good news that will bring great joy to all people. It's what we looked at last week. And Luke, who, uh, who talked to the eyewitnesses, he may have talked to those same shepherds and said, hey, what was it like? I want an accurate account. I'm not, telling, I'm not making up a story. Tell me the facts. I want to write it down. And so he writes about that. And he says, and, and, and then one of them would have told them, hey, after that first, after the first angel left, here's what happened. Luke chapter 2. 
If you have your Bible, you can follow along with us. Luke chapter 2, verse 13 says, And this, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Now just picture a whole bunch of them. Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Hey, let us, know, let us now go to Bethlehem and see the thing that's come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. You know what? We just heard something incredible. Let's go see for ourselves whatever this saying is. What these angels just told us, let's go see it for ourselves. That's the challenge this morning. Let me go see for myself. If everything I've heard about, let me go see for myself. Um, a couple nights ago, we went to the Living Nativity in Simcoe. I don't know if you've ever been to that. It's at Calvary Church. It's pretty incredible. It's pretty cool. I'd never been to it before. I walked, you know, so you go to the church, and there uh, off to the side are all these old, well, looking like old Bethlehem buildings, like the little town of Bethlehem in a snowstorm. That's kind of what it looked like. And so you walk, you walk through, and you get a chance to you know, stand by these big columns, these big pillars, and, and there's this, this Roman soldier shouting at my child. I'm like, yeah, that'll teach him, right? And, and uh, it, it, this, uh, he made some kids cry, not mine, but some. Uh, and, you know, it's like, man, it's, it was just different. Here you're walking around, all of a sudden you see someone in a bathrobe run by. I'm like, well, you just don't see that every day. And it puts you in a different... It puts you in a different um, mode, and we're standing by a fire, and my kids and, and Beth had gone off looking for hot chocolate, and I stood by this fire, and I started talking with people from literally all around the world. There were some people there from Colombia, and there were some people there from Venezuela, and I'd been to Colombia, and I'd been to Venezuela, and there was people from Jarvis, and I'd been to Jarvis. I'm like, so we start talking uh, around this fire. I thought, you know what? This is probably what it felt like that, that night in Bethlehem. Everybody's gathering around from all over, the, all over the kingdom, all over Israel, all over the, the known world, actually, the Roman Empire, to this place. And they, here they are sitting around just shooting the breeze, you know. And, and then you see the star off to the side, and there's this cave-like stable. And so I've seen pictures of stuff like that all the time, artists' renderings. And, and then, but to walk in, to walk in and see, you know, like the, the, they have these blue lights shining down on this couple, this little freezing with this little doll baby in a big manger, some sheep off to the side, the sounds, the smells. I walked in, I was like, I wonder what it was like for those shepherds to hear this booming message of, whoa, a savior of the world has come, to walk into that little place and look and go, well, it's just a baby. I mean, we've seen lots of those. I mean, like, he doesn't even have like a Superman S on him or anything. He's just He's just a baby. Is this a manual? This is God with us? This is the Savior of the world? It's really incredible to think about how powerful that is. That the God of the universe, the God who created everything, the God with all power, would humble himself enough to confine himself to the body of a helpless infant baby. Like, all-powerful to I have no power. Everything's dependent on me to now I am dependent for every, everything on someone else. I thought even before that, it's incredible that, that the God of all creation would put himself into the womb of a person. You know, Beth reads poetry to me at night lately, helps me fall asleep. Um, but there was this, there's this one she just read recently that I was like, man, that is just incredible. This guy named John Don was writing just a, 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 poet, a, a thought to, uh, uh, to Mary and just said these words, that immensity was cloistered in thy dear womb. 
immensity cloistered in thy dear womb. That God would, would do that to come to this planet, it was pretty, pretty incredible. And maybe they walked in like, ah, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's not that impressive. But the message was really clear for them, that grace and peace had arrived on the planet. Grace and peace had arrived on the planet. John, who was a follower of Jesus, would later describe Jesus as saying he was full of grace, he was full of truth. Grace had arrived, he was all grace. Isaiah had prophesied earlier he's going to be called the Prince of Peace, that grace and peace had arrived on the planet. You know, those are words that we think about, we think we know the meanings of. Last week, last week we touched on the, the thought of grace. We may not have used it in that exact term, but that Christmas and the good news that that was a game changer, that the way God was going to deal with people was, was different, that grace was this un, undeserved favor, unearned favor, unearnable favor, unearnable goodwill towards men. And we talked about it last week. Hopefully we said, you know, once I was lost, but now I'm found. But it was worse than that. Once I was dead. Paul said it, you know, we, we weren't just in a bad place. We weren't just, uh, you know, a little bit broken. We didn't have just a little bit of stuff that had to be fixed. He says, if we're honest, we were dead. Dead in our sin, dead in our, in our decisions of the life that we made. It, we were dead inside. He says, and it's, it's, it was that amazing thing that once we realize, the second we realize that, man, I, I need forgiveness and I need grace and, and I can't give it to myself, where the gospel begins to take root. Wow, I need a Savior. And thank goodness a Savior has come. And the moment that we reach out and realize that we needed someone other than ourselves, that the gospel takes root. And it's incredible. That's why we sing, this is amazing grace. Because we did not deserve it. And the moment you think you deserve grace, it's no longer grace. The moment we think we deserve it, it's no longer grace. It's only grace because we did not deserve and we could not do anything with it. But the message is more than grace. He didn't just say, hey, goodwill towards men, grace towards men. He came, the angels came and said to the shepherds that there's going to be peace on earth. Peace on earth. And Paul would later write a bunch of letters to a bunch of uh, churches. Peter, who would write to new believers. A guy named um, um, John would also write to new believers. And they would all agree that, that everyone needed both of these things that the angel had announced. They need grace and they need peace. It wasn't just to them, it was to us today. We need these things called, called grace and called peace. And every letter that they wrote to every single church, from, from the Roman church all the way to the churches in Revelation, they would begin their letters with some form of grace and peace to you. Romans chapter 1, verse 7, here's, here's one, of the, one of the letters. This is how they began the letter. Verse 7, it says, To all who are in Rome, Paul's writing. This is who I'm writing to. Beloved of God, you've been called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We'd probably all agree that we need those things in our life. We would, we, if we're honest, we'd agree that we cannot save ourselves and we could use some grace. We'd probably all agree, too, that there's things or areas in our life that could probably be a little bit more peaceful. There's some relationships. There's like, <laughs> I could use a lot less stress in my life. You know, there's, there's things where we look around the world and realize there's war around the world. We could probably use some peace on earth. You know, for some, they're wishing for it, praying for it, hoping for it, trying to win beauty pageants by saying, all I care about is world peace. It's this thing that just seems to be unattainable, but I want to share with you something that I, that, that I hope just brings it home for you this morning. And here's, here's a couple thoughts. Number one, grace and peace, they're relational. 
Grace and peace are about relationship. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2, Paul writes to the, to the believers in Ephesus, and he starts with that, those same words, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace, the grace that we need and the peace that we need in our life, it comes from him. But he says, let me just tell you something. It's not just from God somewhere out there. He's like, it's from God who invites you to call him Father. This, this grace isn't just like, oh, hey, here it is for the whole world, or hey, here's peace for the whole world. Because so many would look at this and discount and say, well, I don't see peace on earth, so I don't think that what the angel said was right. But he's saying, listen, it's grace is from your Father, and peace is from your Lord, your Master, Jesus Christ. There's relationship between the two. And it's true, because Jesus had a conversation with his disciples the night before he died. If you knew you we were going to die, the things you're going to say at the end, those are probably the most important things. You're not thinking, hey, can you water my cactus every week? It's going to be like, no, listen, I'm going to tell you what, I, what really, really matters. And so Jesus began to tell him, saying, listen, fellas, I know you think I'm going to take over, over the Roman Empire. That's not going to happen. Actually, tonight, I'm going, to, I'm going to die real soon. And they're like, what do you mean you're going to die? We, we was just getting good. He's like, no, no, I'm going to die, but let me... And you could just see their hearts sink in the room. He's like, listen, I'm going to die, but, but, but understand a few things. I'm leaving. And they're like, you're leaving? Yes, but I'm going to send Holy Spirit. He's going to be your comfort. We don't even know what that is. We don't even know what Holy Spirit is. He's like, don't worry. You'll know when he comes. He's going to be your comforter. He says, and a few other things. He said, you know what? You're going to be really, really upset when I die. But let me, let me just tell you, your sorrow is going to be instantly turned to joy in a moment. And they're like, well, we don't even know what that means. Why are you, why are you leaving? Why are you going to die? And so Jesus tells them at the end of John chapter 16, you can read all of the stuff that he told them. But he says to them this, he says, I have told you all this. I've told you that I'm going to die. I've told you that I'm sending a comforter. I'm telling you that your, your sorrow is going to be turned to joy. He says, I'm telling you that so you'll have peace in me. And you can just imagine the room. Everybody's looking around like, what do you, what do you mean? We're about to lose our best friend and teacher. What, what are we going to do now? He says, you can have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. If you read that, you see that Jesus actually kind of makes them two promises. He makes them two promises. One, here's why I'm telling you this, so you can have peace. That's a promise. And number two, here's my other promise. In the world, you're going to have all kinds of trouble. And we're all like, uh, I'll just take one promise, thanks. Just, just the first one for me. You know, the, he says, you're going to have trouble trial, sorrow, pressure, trouble. And we tend to think that those two things are polar opposites. That peace and stress are on two different sides of the, of the equation. That, that peace and, and trouble and trial are not connected in any way, let alone concurrent, that they're, that they're happening at the same time. Luke writes later on that the promise came true, that trouble did affect those very people that Jesus talked about. You can read his travel journal. It's, we, in our Bibles, it's called Acts, but it's his travel journal. It's his historical document. That he's saying, hey, this is what happened. And guess, he writes all the time. We went, to, we went to Iconium, and they stoned Paul. There was trouble everywhere, so we left there. And then we went to Derby. Well, they followed us there, and they stirred up trouble. Then we went to Ephesus, and the whole stinking city was causing trouble. We went to Thessalonica, and all we found was trouble. All we found was trouble. He promised them. And it wasn't only those guys, because I have a feeling that in this room, there's people here this morning who have faced some trouble, at least once in your life. Face some trouble. And sometimes, if we're honest, it's our own fault, the trouble that we find ourselves in. Like, we did something, and that's why we're in trouble. 
It's not always the case. Sometimes trouble just finds you. Sometimes trouble just happens, and it had nothing to do with you. Like health trouble, for instance, sometimes it's our fault. Too many Twinkies, not enough burpees. But other times, other times it's not our fault. You know, I had somebody text me this week and said, Mark, I'm talking to this couple who's got a child who's dying of cancer. Why? What happened? Is Is it their fault? Is it whatever? No. Now, sometimes trouble just happens because we live in a, in a broken world. Sometimes it's financial trouble, right? Too much Amazon Prime, not enough working overtime to pay for it. That's our own trouble. Some of you are like, uh, uh, you didn't want to hear that yet. Tell me after Christmas. Sometimes our own fault. Sometimes other people make decisions that puts us in financial trouble. Sometimes it's relationship trouble. Sometimes we knew, just like Taylor. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Shame. <laughs> we know. Sing it, Andrew. Sing it. <laughs> you know, we, we knew. We knew that relationship was trouble. And other times, relationships have brought trouble in our lives, and we didn't know, and we didn't see it coming. Sometimes it's our own fault. Sometimes we, we knew. Sometimes you didn't know. And here's a really crazy thing for Jesus followers. Sometimes the trouble in your life is because you're following Jesus. And sometimes that's hard for us. Sometimes the trouble in your life is happening because you're following Jesus. You're like, what? How how does that work? That's not what I signed up for. Jesus said, and it's it's clear, you're not going to avoid all trouble. You might make great decisions, wise decisions everywhere, but you will not avoid all trouble on this planet. You won't. It's just not possible. But here's what Jesus says. Sometimes the trouble you're in, it's because you're following me. And here's what he says to his disciples in Luke chapter 12. It's an incredible conversation. We don't have time to go through the whole thing this morning. But at the end of Luke chapter 12 and verse 51, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he, he makes this statement. It's a difficult one. He says, hey, do you think I've come to bring peace to the earth? I wish I hadn't showed the next part, his answer. Because he's like, hey, do you guys actually think that I came to bring peace on earth? And they'd be like, "Uh, yep, that's what the angel said. That's why you came, to bring peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And he's like, you know what? No, I didn't uh, come to bring peace on earth. He says, I've come to divide people against each other. You're like, what? He says in the next verse, from now on, families are going to be split apart. Three will be in favor of me. Two will be against me. Or two will be in favor of me and three against. And you're like, like my kids would say, wait, what? Wait, what? That's, I, I thought the angel said you were going to bring peace on earth. I'm a little bit confused. I don't understand. You know, it's, that's been something that people have wrestled with for, for, for centuries. A group I, uh, I used to listen to all the time named U, uh, U2. Bono, uh, for, for my brother-in-law thinks like I'm old because I listen to them, but they sing some, just some real heartfelt lyrics. And they, they sang a song called Peace on Earth, year 2000. They, uh, here's some of the lyrics from the song. He says, you know, as he doesn't see, he doesn't see it around him. He sees war and he hears death of the names of, of, the, of the people who's, who had died as a result of all this um, turmoil. And he says this, Jesus can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth. I hear it every Christmas time, but hope and history won't rhyme. So what's it worth, this peace on earth? You know, yeah, you say peace on earth, but we don't see it. We don't see it. And if I had the chance to preach to Bono, if you're listening, I love your music, but you got this part wrong. You just never know. Don't misunderstand what the angel's message was 
to those shepherds and to the world and to us this morning. If you're going through some tough times, don't misunderstand what the angel was saying to the world. The New Testament authors continually wrote afterwards things like this. Don't give up when trouble comes your way. Don't toss aside your confidence when you face difficult times. Don't worry when you face adversity or trials. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Like it wasn't this idea that when Jesus came in that everything was going to be hunky-dory. It, was, it wasn't the case. You know, I was reminded of a story that I, I shared, I think I shared here last year. And I, I, it's, a, it's a story of a man who, was, who, wanted, who wanted a painting in his house that just portrayed peace. Something he could look at and was just going to portray peace in a, in a perfect way. And so he had a contest. He sent out this contest and had people send in their, their artwork, their paintings, to, uh, to be judged as to which one would be. And he gave up. He said, you know, the winner gets so much whatever the amount of money was. And so paintings came in from all over the place. And there were some pretty incredible ones. And they, uh, the day of the, the big reveal of who would be the, which would be the winning um, painting and who would win the money, they had them all lined up and they had them covered with black cloths. And as they went along, the judges would just reveal and they started with the loser. I didn't want to say it, but it's a loser. So they started with that and they reveal this one and people are like, whoa, that's pretty peaceful. And as it goes along, they just show scene after scene of, of tranquility and peace and these uh, beautiful landscapes and stuff. And then it gets down to the final two. And so they, they pull the, the, um, the, the black cloth off the second one, and, and here's uh, something that they see, something similar to this. You know, just a shimmering lake, not a breeze, surrounded by pines, just at the, 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 the cusp of evening, you know, the soft, soft clouds, a couple deer grazing over here in the corner. Now you can see them. Softly, softly lit. And they looked at it and thought, Wow. That has got to be the winner. How, how is there something more peaceful than that? It just reminds me of being at Elk Lake and thinking, oh, just peaceful. Then they uncovered the final painting, and the crowd gasped in surprise because it was Jack Dawson's painting called Peace. And this was the painting that won. This is the, the actual painting that won the money. You see, look, you see like storm clouds in the background, lightning striking. You see the cold water rushing down this, this uh, waterfall and this tiny little branch reaching out in the middle of the waterfall thinking, ah, you know, I'll hold on for dear life. And they looked at it and thinking, what, what, what is peaceful about this? And then as they look closer, they notice down near the bottom of the waterfall, there's a little dove sitting on a nest of eggs on that little branch, just with eyes closed, completely at peace in the midst of all the storm going around. Complete tranquility in a, in a completely tumultuous place. I said, you know what? That is the perfect explanation of peace. You know, there's different measures and different levels of peace that we need. And for some, we don't think those things go together, but they do. Peter said this, as Peter, he wrote and he said to, in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, he says, may God give you more and more grace and peace. It wasn't just this idea that you just get a little bit of grace or that you just get a little bit of peace. He's like, I want that to grow in you. You've got grace that saved you. I've given you peace with God, but I, I want there to be more and more grace. Why? Because different, different situations in our life require different levels of peace. You know, it's easy to be, to be at peace when you're up sitting up on a lake up north. You know, you're just like, oh, you know, with your family and um, sitting up at a lake up north. Uh, yeah, with your family. Um, you know, it's peaceful. It's just this thought of, oh, life is good. It's totally different when you find yourself on a boat in the middle of a hurricane. You know, that thought of, whoa, you know, like 
It's, it's difficult, but you know, maybe you're not into boats. What about life? It's easy to be at peace when life is good. There's enough money in the bank, enough food in the fridge. The kids actually are being obedient. They're little angels. Your wife's making your lunch every day, leaving little notes inside. Or maybe your husband's making your lunch every day for those, you know, uh, whatever it is. But it's just like, yeah, life is good. Life is at peace. You need a whole different level when you get a phone call like, uh, hey, you don't come in Monday. You don't work here anymore. You know, or hey, you know, this, the reports came back and your relative has cancer. There's a whole different level of peace that's required. You know, Matthew and Mark actually wrote something, that, but we know that Mark got all of his information from Peter, one of the second, uh, you know, second century followers of Jesus. They wrote about how Peter and Mark were together, about how Luke was an eyewitness or talked to the eyewitnesses. And they, all three of them wrote this account because it mattered. And they wrote this account. I just want to leave it with you this morning. It's in Matthew chapter 8. Feel free to go home and check it up. Just jot it down. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. It says this, Now when Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him. His disciples are following Jesus. And like we said earlier, sometimes when you follow Jesus, trouble happens in your life as a result of following Jesus. Here, the disciples decided they would follow him. In verse 24, suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so the boat was covered with the waves, but Jesus was asleep. Have you ever slept on a boat before? I remember going on a cruise with my family and being down in like the, the cheap seats, like the inner guts of the, of the uh, cruise ship. Uh, and you lay in there and it's like, you just, the, the, the gentle rocking of the boat. I have never slept better than, than sleeping down in, in, in the bottom of a cruise ship. I don't think it was quite like that for him, but he was at peace enough that he's sleeping in the bottom of this boat. Verse 25, it says, Then the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. We're perishing. We're going to drown. Mark writes it and says, um, from Peter's perspective, Jesus, we're in trouble. Don't you care? Why are you sleeping? Don't you care that we're all going to die? Come up and row or do something. And, you, you know, Jesus' response, it's, it's incredible. He says to them, why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? But what he's asking is saying, Peter, why do you trust in me so little? You know, he doesn't say, hey, Pete, you know, listen, you're not dead yet. Come get me when you're actually drowning. You know, he's like, he, he just says, listen, why, why don't you, why do you trust me so little? Why do you trust me so little? But then he did something incredible. He got up. And he rebuked the winds in the sea, and there was a great calm. And all of a sudden, they are no longer in trouble. Why do you trust so little? I believe the answer to that question is actually in the very next verse. It says in verse 27, So the men marveled, and they said, Who can this be? We've been following this guy. He does incredible stuff. He feeds 5,000 people. But who is this guy that even, like, the weather listens to him? It tells us something. They didn't really know who he was at that point yet. While they were thinking they were drowning in, the, in, that, in that storm, and Jesus is, is right there in the boat, they don't really know him yet. In other accounts, a few uh, chapters later, Peter, Peter would walk on water in the middle of a storm. As they got to know Jesus, they knew that this man, there's something about him. Here, here's a snippet from it, Matthew 14. They're, they're on the waters, and, and all of a sudden they see Jesus walking on the water. They see something walking on the water. They're terrified now from the storm. They're terrified that they think they're seeing ghosts. You know, the grim reaper's coming to get us. Whatever they think, they're scared. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, here's what happens. Jesus says, 
Verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them and saying, hey, be of good cheer. It's I, do not be afraid. Do you realize how often that those words are in the Bible? Do not, do not be afraid. Man, fear is something that just attacks faith, attacks that trust in God all the time. It's the opposite. It's, the, it's this thing of being afraid takes away. And he says, why, why do you have so little trust in me before? He said, you can trust me. You don't need to be afraid. The angel said, you don't need to be afraid. He says, be of good cheer. It's me. Don't be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, then tell me to come out to you on the water. You know, it's that, that thought of saying, okay, Jesus, if it's really you walking on the water, then I, I know you got this. Well, tell me to come walk on the water. If you can do it, I want to do it. And Jesus is like, okay, Peter, yeah, it's me. Come on, come on out. And so Peter steps out and walks on the water. It's one of the stories I loved as a kid, you know, and when I was in kids' church, we didn't have videos. We had flannel graph, and they would make little Peter walk along the flannel graph and then sink down beneath the waves, and then they'd be like, why did you doubt? And Jesus would pull him back out, and, and it was just one of those things we just loved back, back in the day. But we always, the focus at the end was, you know, Peter doubted, and, you know, that's why he fell under. Don't look at the waves and everything else. But Peter freaking walked on water. Can, can you say that in church? <laughs> Peter walked on water, in case we have to edit that. Um, Peter, he walked on water. That's, that's, that's incredible. And these guys aren't making up stories. They're writing about it because we know he didn't walk long. He fell. But the truth is that he walked on water simply because he, know, he knew, God, if it's you, Jesus, if it's you, I know I can trust you. And the thing is, that speaks to us because many of you are in a massive storm, one that's out of your control. Maybe your marriage is in such a bad spot. Maybe the relationships that you have with everybody are in just such a bad spot. Maybe you're going into Christmas and you struggle with depression and you've got those feelings, those, those voices in your head are coming back again. The ones are saying, hey, just end it all. And you're like, oh, I don't want to tell anybody, but, but you know they're there. You're in a storm that's just, just rocking your world. It's, this isn't just one of those things that, that happens. He's saying, you know what, you can trust me. Would you just reach out? I love the song Oceans where it says, help me keep my eyes above the waves. Help me walk on the water. You know, for most of us, we'd rather just pray, God, either like some form of God, just give me peace. You know, just give me peace. Or God, just take away the storm. I know I spent too much, Lord. Just please, like one of those generous rich people at the church, please have them give me some money. You know, or, or God, I just give you my kids. I don't know what to do with them anymore. They're yours, whatever happens to them. God, just, just give me peace, whatever it is. But many of you pray for things like, we, we, we try and pray for stuff that he's like, listen, this isn't something you pray for. It's not one of those things you pray for. It's something bigger than that. And so I just want to leave you with this thought. How? How can I have peace not just on earth, how can I have peace right here? How can I really have peace? The thought is this, there are no shortcuts to the peace that the angels announced, that Jesus promised, or that others wrote about. There is no shortcut to being like that dove with peace in the middle of a storm. I know it and you know it, that when storms come, are so tempted to just get stressed out, to get caught up in it, to be taken down by the waves. Well, the same Peter, same Peter who wrote, you know, cry out, Jesus, don't you care? We're drowning. To like, Jesus, I trust you. I'm going to walk on these waves. Shared this with some people years later. As he wrote these words, 2 Peter 1 verse 2. He said, grace and peace. Again, the same thing. He says, may it be multiplied to you. More and more grace and peace to you. 
in the knowledge of God uh, and of Jesus our Lord. It, you're looking at that and you're like, yeah, is it almost over? And I'm looking at that like, that's stinking powerful. But here's why. As you begin to study, just study the word and study what they're actually writing, they use words that, that are different than the words we use. Here's how we translate it. You know, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God uh, and Jesus our Lord. And we read that and think, oh, if I know God, I know Jesus. And he's like, that's not the word. The word's epinosis. It's kind of fun to say. Want to try it? Epinosis. Yeah, epinosis. Now you speak a little bit of Greek. So epinosis is this word that actually means I don't just know about, I know it relationally. I know it experientially. I didn't just hear about this. I experienced it. It's not just, I don't just know about God. I don't just believe there is a God. I don't just, you know, know about the Christmas story. I don't just believe that there was a baby Jesus. I know him. I know him. I know him. Grace and peace come from knowing him because it's relational. And peace is relational. Jesus said to his disciples, you can have peace where? In me. You stay in me. And then he, right after that verse, he tells them that famous story of the vines being connected to the branches. Don't get disconnected from me because it gets bad after that. Stay connected to me. Just keep your focus on me. Peter, you were doing so fine when you just kept your eyes on me. He's saying it to many of you this morning. Would you get your eyes on me? I don't want you in church just because you believe there's a God. I want your eyes on me. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it doesn't matter. Just want your eyes on me. I, I want to do life with you. I want you to, to know me. Paul wrote to the, to the Galatians. He said, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, you've heard of the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The Amplified says it this way, the result of his presence within you. The byproduct of being in relationship with Jesus is this, love, joy, peace. So many times we pray for stuff we shouldn't pray for. Dear God, give me patience. You don't want to pray that. Because bad stuff's coming your way to test whether you have patience or not. See, we just want the shortcut. And he's like, listen, there, there's no shortcut in this life with me. Man, this is so challenging to me as I realize that this, this life with Christ, the whole thing of Christmas is that the relationship with him, it's, it's what it's all about. It doesn't, none, none of the rest of it matters. It's about him. Last week, somebody came up to me after the service. I love this because they came up to me and said, Mark, you talk about relationship with God. Could you do a series on how we have relationship with God? If relationship with God is what it's all about, how do we do that? Phenomenal question, but let me give you just a quick answer to that. Peter, Paul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they even wrote in their letters, I'm writing this so you would know Jesus. I'm writing this so you could believe in him and be saved, is what John wrote. I'm writing this so you would know. They actually, Paul wrote the beginning of his letters saying, hey, grace and peace to you. Not that God would give it to you. That's not the right translation. But he says that grace and peace to you. And as he ends the letter, he says, grace and peace with you. Saying that thought that, thought that as you read this, may grace and, and, and peace be, be growing in your life as you're getting to know Jesus because of what you're reading. It's why I wrote this letter. So that you would know him. And by knowing him, grace and peace would happen in your life. You can't shortcut it. I can't just pray for you at the end. Hey, anybody go through a tough time? Want some peace? Come on up, we'll pray for you. He's like, hey, anybody going through a tough time? Get to know me. Get to know me because you're going to be in it. You've got two ways to go through it, with me or without me. But with me, there's going to be some stuff that happens in your life you don't even realize. There'll be peace. There'll be joy. So as we close this morning, today's just about being intentional. That's why I'd encourage you to take notes. Some of you might. 
It's not just about hearing about something today, but something like those shepherds said. Huh, okay, I heard about it today. Now let me go find out for myself. Let me go see for myself. That all depends on what happens the moment you leave this place. Will I go out from this place saying, God, I want to know you. I want to know you on the ride home. God, I want to know you in my job. What does that look like to know you at my job? What does it look like to know? I want to know for myself. It's that simple thought of the, the Christmas songs, let every heart prepare him room. Or the song, the lyrics of oceans, that God, I'll call on your name. Isn't it just about everybody else? It's about me right now. God, I'll call on your name. Keep my eyes above the waves. Holy Spirit, would you lead me to where my trust is without borders, that no matter what's going on around me, I simply trust in you. One of the Christmas songs we'll be doing this, uh, at our Christmas services is called Glory, Let There Be Peace. And let there be peace and let it start in me. As we close today, I just want to give you a moment just to reflect on what you've heard. I want to give you a moment just to have your ear open to what he may want to drop in your heart. I want to give you a moment to listen to the words of this song as we close. So that as a result of this morning, there really could be more peace on earth.
start in me. Let there be peace. Let it start in me. Jesus, we come to you today. Praying that, that Holy Spirit, you'd help us to see you clearly. In our everyday, let's pray that, Lord, you translate into our unique situations what your voice and what your word is for us this morning. So many difficult things happening around us, and we just, God, we pray. Pray and ask that they would see you in the middle of the storm. It wouldn't just be something that we heard, but that we might experience you this week. That we might experience your love and experience your joy, experience your peace. As we go out with you, shining for you in our world, pray that they see you. Pray that they see you. For our time together, thank you, Father, for sending Jesus that we are at peace with you. Love you. Thank you for loving us. We go out in your name. We go out for your glory. We go out with you. Amen.